the days are getting shorter and darker, and uh, the, the, the end of the liturgical year, the, the, the year of the church is uh, ending pretty soon, just a few weeks. And in this last part of the year, our attention in the readings and prayers for Mass, it, uh, it, it focuses on the end of the world. So you'll see that in, in the readings for today and in the next few weeks. The end of the world meaning either or both the second coming of Jesus and the end of the whole world or um, the end of our world and our, each of our death. So this is what, what, what we're talking about today with the arrival of the bridegroom. And we see that five of those who are waiting for him are left on the outside. They're not able to enter. So here's our question. What is necessary to enter the wedding feast? This is obviously something very important to all of us. So in this parable about the, the ten virgins with their lamps, there are, there are four primary symbols in here that I want to tell you about. Okay, there's um, Number one, there's the lamps that they carry. Number two, there's their presence there. They're, they're actually there waiting. The third thing is the flame, of course, and the fourth thing is the oil. Okay, So um, the lamps by themselves are an empty vessel. They need something else. Okay, Their purpose is to burn oil and, 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 and make fire. They have the possibility of flame, but they need something else. Okay, The lamps are our lives. If you're alive, if you've been given life, then, then you've received this lamp. Okay? The second thing, though, is waiting, waiting there for the bridegroom. This is our intention to belong to the Lord. All of you who are in church today, like, I, think, I think you have this. I think you're there waiting for the bridegroom. You, you express your intention. The third thing is the flame. The, the flame depends on the oil and the lamp, but it's the whole point. This is, this is what, what the, the foolish virgins freak out about because they say our lamps are sputtering and going out and they might not be lit when the bridegroom comes here. So the flame is really the whole point. But even if you're there waiting, if you have the lamp and you have the oil, you still have nothing. You also have to have fire. You have to have this flame. And this flame is, is divine love. It's the love of God that we receive as a gift, not something that we can create or ignite ourselves. It's something that's given to us. And especially, especially at baptism. This is why uh, you receive a, a candle on the day of your baptism. Symbolize this flame of divine love that you're given. The last thing, though, number four, and the most crucial, is the oil. Because the oil is needed for the lamp to be anything. It's needed to create the flame to burn. Without it, there is no flame. But the oil from which the, the lamp is refilled as it burns, the oil comes from crushed olives. So this is the central problem in the parable that the wise have brought a supply of oil and the foolish have brought too little and they run out. So what we want to get into and what I want to tell you about is when it comes to this oil, what is it? How is it made? How do we bring enough? Like we said, this oil, the olive oil that fuels the lamps, it comes from crushed olives. But I don't want you to have the wrong idea because it's easy to say, oh yes, that's pain and suffering. You know, That's, that, that's not actually it. The oil comes from self-surrender, from giving our whole selves in love to God, who gave us ourselves and who gave us himself also in love. It looks like Jesus in the garden, in the, in the agony in the garden where he says, not my will but yours be done, Father. It's not like a straining or a searching or take much effort or it's not laborious or we don't work to impress God with our moral goodness what we're talking about is we say self-surrender and giving ourselves to God in love. What we mean is like two spouses who are in love, who eagerly say, I want to give all of me to you 
forever. This is what we mean by self-surrender because our only joy, our only and greatest joy is to love God, to give ourselves entirely to him. Like I said, it's not like a, a thing that takes effort or strain because God is the one who seeks us. He is the one who comes and knocks on the door of our hearts. And our part in making the oil is simply to respond to him. He comes to you, and he comes to you today, to your heart. He knocks on the door and he says, will you open? Will you receive me? Will you receive my love? Will you give me yourself? He, he knocks, he asks the question. We don't have to do a lot of work to find him or to figure out what we have to do. We simply have to respond. It takes little effort. It's as easy as relaxing our hands when, when we're gripping something. Okay, to surrender ourselves, to offer ourselves to the Lord in love, it's not about doing tremendous things or superhuman fasts or, or going to extremes. These invitations are found just in the circumstances of our lives. Okay, these are the invitations that the Lord gives us. They can be exterior or interior. The exterior invitations are like, like for spouses, the invitation to give yourself up is to love your spouse. For parents, it's for your children. For children, it's for your parents and your, and your, and your siblings. But there are also interior invitations. The ways that we give, we surrender our minds and our hearts and our sins and our attachments, our selfishness, our control, yes, also our sufferings. This is what it looks like, okay? I just had, um, I had a couple of meetings this week with new parents getting ready for baptism. And I like to ask them when it's their first kid, what's it like? Like you've been a parent for like two or three months, tell me about it. And if you are a parent, then you, you understand like some of the transition they're going through. But I always ask them also as a follow-up, like how is this changing you? What is different, not just about your life, but about your heart, about who you are? What is this doing to you? And like the most beautiful things come out because they can see like I, I was afraid that my selfishness would be too much. But to have this little baby calls out a greater love from me than I ever had before, that I didn't even know I was capable of. Yes, it has cost me. I've had to give things up. I've had to change. I've had to sacrifice some things. But it's like a joyful and eager thing. There, there was another, just another example. I was talking to this young woman. She's, um, she's not a college student anymore, but um, basically, like in general terms, the story was that she, that she was in a spot, somebody else, where she, there was, it was unfair, okay, how she, she was being treated. She should have gotten credit for something. Um, she could have like asserted herself and gotten what was due her, and she struggled with it. And when I heard the story from her, she had come to this place where she said, I, get, I gave it up, I let it go. And you could see that it cost her something because she had to accept being misunderstood or put aside. But these are like the, the hidden things Okay, these are the ways that the olives of our lives are crushed into pure oil. All of the circumstances of our lives, exterior or interior, all of these are potentially the fuel of divine love in us. What, what, what are those for you? What have you already allowed to be crushed and surrendered to the Lord? What is it that maybe he's, he's inviting you to that, that is difficult to surrender and give to him? Just some other examples to, 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 to sort of illustrate this for you. I, I, I see this just intense and beautiful and, and like holy opportunities for this when, um, when someone's spouse is aging or ill or when somebody's parents are aging 
Or when, when a couple, uh, because they believe in the Lord, because they want to surrender to him, when they find out the NFP is difficult and they struggle with it, and, and it costs them something, and they have to, it, like it, it demands something from them, and they have to let things go and, and, and surrender all of this. This is what it looks like. All of these opportunities to, to surrender, to give ourselves, to give up ourselves for love. When I hear these stories, and as a priest, you get to hear them more than most people, I think. But, it, but if you have eyes, you can see it also. I am just overwhelmed by them because they are so precious and beautiful, especially those that no one ever knows about that are completely hidden, that only, are only known to you and the Lord. They're hidden and precious, the ways that we say, your will be done. The ways that we say, this is my body, which will be given up for you. These sorts of things, where the olives are crushed into the pure oil that becomes the fuel for divine love, these sorts of things are more powerful and more effective for our good, the good of the church, the good of the whole world, than anything that we can do with our hands, any plans or activities we can do. This is, this is like, like the precious, beautiful, powerful, effective thing, and it demands reverence from us. It is never taken for granted. Sometimes we can even take it for granted in ourselves. We say, like, I should be over this, or I should have an easier time with this. But it's not true. To allow the olives to be crushed into oil, it costs us something and it is beautiful and divine. And so we approach it with reverence and with care. This is like the glory of the human heart that gives itself to the Lord in love. It just comes down to this, to respond yes to the Lord's invitation, to offer ourselves in love. It can be intimidating sometimes when we imagine circumstances actually like in the future that, that aren't here yet. Like, like new parents that say, I, I don't know if I'm gonna have what it takes to give myself for my child. But the truth is that you are free. You are able, and it's because Jesus has come to us, okay? When Jesus shows up in the gospel, everywhere he goes, he casts out demons. The demons that hold our hearts bound. Basically what he says is that because I am here, because I have come, nothing binds your hearts. Nothing keeps you from this kind of love. Nothing keeps you from this kind of self-offering. You are capable of the love that I desire from you because I have set you free. So nothing holds us back, not the fear of poverty or misunderstanding or embarrassment, not the fear of suffering or difficulty or humility or even death. It is not too difficult or too hard. And the truth is that exactly as you are right now, where you are, however you got to where you are, right now in this moment, you have exactly what is needed to make this pure oil to fuel the flame of love. In the gospel, we have this weird turn at the end when the bridegroom arrives and everybody's waking up from sleep and they're trimming their lamps and it's a little confused and the foolish virgins ask the wise, give us some of your oil because our lamps are about to go out. And the wise ones say no. And this is strange because Jesus says over and over, Everything you have, you're supposed to give to others. You're supposed to be generous. We're all in this together. You know, like, like give from what you have to those who do not have. But the truth is that they, they will not give it to the others. They will not give this oil to the others because they cannot give it to the others. This oil is something that cannot be shared. And this is where this becomes uncomfortably personal. Because Jesus comes to you, not as a group, 
not even as a family, but he comes to you like you're the only person in the world and looks you in the eyes and waits for you to say, I love you. He waits for you to give yourself to him. And no one else can supply what he wants from you, what he longs for from you, because all he wants is you, your heart. This, it's as, as, as ridiculous, the sharing of oil, it's as ridiculous as if, um, if, if, a, if a husband said to his brother, give my wife a kiss for me. The wife does not want her brother-in-law's kiss. She wants her husband's kiss. The Lord does not want someone else's goodness or self-surrender. He wants yours. You and your heart, given to the Lord in love and offered to him, is an utterly unique and irreplaceable gift. He wants yours. So where, where are we now? The bridegroom has not yet arrived. All of us who are here, we're still alive, and the end of the world has not come yet. So the bridegroom has not arrived. Because, because we have been given life, we have our lamps. And we're here waiting for the bridegroom. We have the intention to be there when he comes. If you, if you look at your lamp, is it burning? This is, this is like what we're made for, you know? To radiate with divine love. To allow this flame to burn. So maybe you look at it and you say, actually, there is no flame. Maybe there's some oil in it, but there's no flame. Right now, Ask for this. The Lord will give it to you again. You can't make it yourself. Like I said, all it takes is as he knocks on the door of your heart that you open to him. And he will give you this flame of divine love again. Maybe as you look at it, you say, okay, it's burning, but the oil is very low. And the fuel is running out. Now is the time. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait till the end of the day. You don't even have to wait till the end of Mass. Now is, look, look at the virgins here. Okay, the foolish virgins. They could have gone to get more oil at any time in the night, but they waited until the bridegroom arrived, and then it was too late. Right now, even as I'm speaking to you, you can, you can make more oil. Maybe it's the first time you've done this, maybe it's the thousandth time to respond to God in this way. I don't know what he's inviting you to. I don't know what, what, what the olives are that are to be crushed and to, offer, to be offered to him. No one else knows what he invites you to, but he makes it clear to you. We know what he asks of us. What he, the ways that he asks me in particular to give up my life. Right now, to the God who is infatuated with you, open the door and surrender yourself and you will have oil and fire enough. This is the last thing. I have to say something about Holy Communion because when it comes time for Holy Communion, after the Eucharistic prayer and consecration, when Holy Communion comes around, this is it. The bridegroom is here. Jesus comes to us. This is the moment to receive him who loves you. This is the moment to give yourself to him entirely and beyond recall. When we receive communion, with hearts open, what the Lord gives us is this experience of the union that we were made for. Because our only joy is to love God. What he gives us is union and delight and freedom and joy.